Wow, that was great. And perfect songs, you guys, for where we're going tonight and where we're going to be going for the next month. Uh, We are actually starting a series that we're calling, Are You Kidding Me? And the reason we're calling it is that, in light of this worship that we just did, is that there is a growing sentiment in our culture that when people are asked to consider God or faith or religion or church, basically people are saying, are you kidding me? And we just know this, you guys, because out there now, surveys, people are surveying, surveying people and they're asking them to tell us, what is, what's your religious affiliation? And do you know what the highest growing religious affiliation is in the United States of America? None. (laughs) None. N-O-N-E, not N-U-N. People are not wearing black dresses and things. N-O-N-E. In 2007, people would answer this survey and they would identify themselves as Christians. In 2007, 78% of the population was still saying that they're Christian in our culture. And in 2000, now, today, it's 63%. 63%. People who said no affiliation to any type of religion at all, in 2007, it was 16%. And today, it's 29%. And if you're under 30, it's 36%. Okay, now this is, you know, here's where the numbers really hit me. 15 years ago, Okay, so K2 had already launched, right? We had launched in 2003, so in, or 2004. 15 years ago, for every person who was saying that they're not a Christian, who have no affiliation, there were five Christians. And today, for every person who says they have no affiliation, there's two Christians. It's gone from five to one to two to one in 15 years. This is what's going on. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do a series. And we're just going to look at four reasons that these trends are happening. And again, these are coming from surveys. And today, the title of today's message is, Who Cares? (laughs) Who Cares? And we're going to be looking at the topic of irrelevancy. That one of the reasons that people are saying they're not interested in faith or God or religion or church anymore is because it's just irrelevant to me. And so I actually uh, forgot my props. <laughs> yes, yeah, she wondered what those were. Well, you, you know what they are. Um, I bet most men don't know what this is. Anybody know what this is? Yeah, how do you know? You don't even have hair. Dude. Okay, yeah, so this is, if that, is that what it's called, a flat iron? Well, this is what Susie uses to straighten her hair, okay? So she uses this all the time. Believe me, I don't need this. My hair is as straight as it can possibly be, and I don't even know if it would fit in here, right? So when we're getting ready, if somebody offered me one of these things, I would be like, I have no use for that. It doesn't, it's, it's absolutely irrelevant to me. But this thing I use every week, and Susie never uses this thing. This razor is very relevant to me and to my son who shaved his head recently. And this is, this is what we do. So God, was, what does it mean when something's irrelevant? It means it's not applicable or pertinent 
It's not significant to the matter at hand. (laughs) If I'm trying to get ready, I don't need that. And if Susie's trying to get ready, she doesn't need that. It's irrelevant. And what our world is saying is that's how they see God now. That's how they see this. That's how they see faith. That is not applicable to my life. It's not pertinent to my life. Now, it's interesting. Only 20% of young people who are outside of faith believe that an active faith helps people live a better, more fulfilling life. Only 20% think that if you had a faith, it would make life better. Now, here's what's interesting. We're going to get to these questions in a moment. But this generation, you know what the main question that this generation is asking is what makes life worth living? So if the main question is what makes life worth living, but 80% of the people are saying, it's not that, that doesn't help. What are they saying? That it's old fashioned. It's out of touch with reality. It's confusing. It's boring. It's disconnected to the spiritual world. They see it as just a bunch of do's and don'ts instead of actually having any type of spiritual presence or power. And it doesn't help the problems in the world. They look at, they look at people of faith and they go, it doesn't seem to make a difference in people's lives or in the world. And so they're like, why would I want to even, why would I even consider that? Now, here's what's interesting to me. So if the church and faith and Christianity is becoming more irrelevant, not applicable to people's lives. What's crazy is that Jesus was ridiculously relevant. Jesus was unbelievably powerful. He was turning the world upside down. He was impacting everybody. And so some, there's some sort of disconnect here between what Jesus was like when he was on planet Earth and what faith is like or the church is like, or the body of Christ is like. So the first thing I want to do is I just want to look at John. John is the one who was majorly impacted by Jesus. He, he lived with him every day. He, in fact, he called himself the beloved. He was so amazed at the love that he felt from God. That would be relevant, to feel loved. Anybody, anybody know somebody in the world who might want to feel loved? Everybody? Well, that was John. In fact, he gave himself that title. And when John wrote his gospel, I think he was kind of saying, how can I help you guys understand how relevant Jesus actually is? So the very first thing he said in John chapter one was this. He said, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Now I can just say this right now. (laughs) If somebody just read that today in 2022, that would not be very relevant But John was being incredibly relevant because the Greeks during that time looked at the universe and they saw order everywhere. They could tell something is going on. Something's ruling. There's a purpose behind this. And so they had a word to help describe what they believed was happening in the universe. And it was a word that was described a sense of rationality, of reason, and of purpose. And that word was logos, which is word. And so there was an infinite, they believed that there was an infinite wisdom in the universe, a principle 
or a force that made everything work. I actually went on in YouTube and found out how to say this guy's name. Heraclitus. Heraclitus was a 6th century BC, before Christ, philosopher. He, he, he described the word as this. It's the omnipresent wisdom by which all things are steered. You guys, when I, when I read that, I go, this, you guys, nothing changes. Because this, what's the word that's used today? When people talk about that presence out there that's working, what do they call it? The universe. How many of you guys hear people call it the universe? That's what we call it now. And what's interesting is when I hear people say the universe, it's a term that's used almost always when it means something has, they believe something has interacted with their life. It actually was applicable. It was pertinent. Something was moving. And they go, the universe did that. Well, that's what, that's exactly what was happening in John's day as well. And John was saying, you guys, it's relevant. It's applicable. Because I'm not going to get this, in, but in verse uh, chapter 1 and verse 14, he told them, he says, the word, this, this power, this force that makes everything work, he said, the word has become flesh and he's made his dwelling among us. The very thing that you believe brings order and purpose and reason. The wisdom that you're trying to seek, he came and he made himself flesh. And then he says this in verse two, he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. See, now what's interesting when you, when you make that statement, here's what we know. When anything is created, and if there's someone who actually created it, there's a reason, there's a purpose for its existence. And, then, and, and John was helping everyone to say, there's a reason for your existence. The thing you're searching for, the one who made you actually knows and he came here to show it to you. And that's whenever somebody's created something, they're the one who knows how it actually works. So John was being incredibly relevant. He's saying, Jesus is the one who came to show you what life was like and how it works. And then in verse four, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. When Jesus came, he was life. I heard one guy say this. I love this. He goes, you know what Jesus did? He showed us what it is to be human. He showed us humanity in its perfect state, in in all of its goodness, He was life. He revealed the wisdom. He illuminated it. He showed the reason for being. And so what's interesting for me today, as we try to figure out why are people saying that Jesus is irrelevant? You know what? No matter what, it's kind of fun. I heard a talk years ago about how different we are in all of our generations. Boomers, okay? Boomers ask this question. What is true? If you know anybody in the boomer stage, that's what it's, what is true. My generation, generation X, what do we ask? We want to know what is real or what's effective. And when I heard that, I'm like, oh my God, that's my my whole life in ministry is what works, right? That's what I want to know. The millennial generation said, ask the question, what's good? What's good? 
It's like, okay, so you know the truth, but you're ruining the planet. (laughs) You're messing up the whole economy. It's not good. They wanted to know what was good. And again, you know what the question is today? What makes life worth living? And you know what's so cool, you guys? Is Jesus answered all those questions, each each generation's questions. What do you say? I am the way. What's good? Follow me. I'll show you what's good. I'm the way. I'm the truth. What's true? Oh, I know that too. I create everything. Let me tell you what's true. I am the life. You guys, I just think when the world today is going, what makes life worth living? Jesus was helping people to see it. But then when they say, what makes life worth living? They're looking at the church and Christian faith and they're going, well, it's not that. By increasing numbers, it's irrelevant. It's not applicable or pertinent to my life. But man, Jesus was different. In John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Come on, man. What do we, what do we see in our world? We see brokenness everywhere. We see pain everywhere. We see suffering everywhere. We see, we, we did a whole series on winning the war in your mind. We, we brought up people up here to talk about mental health because we see the mental health crisis increasing. We see suicide increasing. We see division in our world increasing. It's dark. And here's Jesus saying, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you will never walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. What will make my life worth living? And Jesus is saying, I made you, I know, and I'll show you. Now, what's interesting to me about Jesus is it says, whoever follows me. And with Jesus, this is exactly what was happening. Thousands of people were gathering to hear Jesus and they were following him. And as we learned, these weren't people who were great God people either. People were clinging to him. Why? Man, apparently he was relevant. I think what Jesus was saying and what he was doing was absolutely pertinent and applicable to their lives. He was meeting people where they were and he was impacting their lives and he was meeting their needs. He met their needs physically. Sometimes he was healing them. Sometimes he was providing for them. He met their spiritual needs. Sometimes he delivered people from demonic oppressions, but he was also revealing the truth of you can actually be connected to God. And he was helping everybody understand how to be reconciled back to God. He was meeting people's intellectual needs with infinite wisdom, infinite wisdom. No one taught as he did, they kept saying. People's deepest questions. Jesus had the intellectual answers that people needed. He met their emotional needs. He got rid of people's shame and their disregard and their rejection, the outcasts, and he brought them in and he met people's relational needs. He created a new community of love for all. So every need that a human being had, Jesus came and he was touching it and meeting it and he was impacting them. What's that mean? He was relevant. He was applicable and he was pertinent. 
And you know, when in, in, in the midst of all of that, you know what the Bible kept saying about Jesus? It says that he had compassion. He had compassion for the people. I love that word. It means to move deeply. You do, it means in their deepest being, you're moved to the point where you actually have to do something for somebody else. I was talking with Spencer sitting over here, and he said, yeah, Dave, just remember this great phrase. No one cares about what you know until they know how much you care, right? And Jesus showed people, I care about you. I know you. I know your needs. I want to rescue you from your darkness. I want you to help think rightly. I want to provide for you. I want to lead you. I want to be your shepherd is the term he used, right? And what's a shepherd do? A shepherd watches over his flock and protects them. A shepherd leads them to green pastures and still waters. A shepherd provides for them. And this is what Jesus was all about. So I was thinking about this and I'm just going, okay, God, why? Why are people increasingly thinking, Jesus, that you're irrelevant? That when you were on earth, you were incredibly relevant. And, and I, don't, I, I think this is what he just led, led me to, is I started thinking about the Sermon on the Mount. Like, and if you don't know what the Sermon on the Mount is, in Matthew, one of the, the, the stories about Jesus, it's right at the beginning. He's like, he starts off and he has this great message. And he, he, all these crowds, again, the crowds of people, because he had been ministering to them, he had been healing them, he had been meeting their needs. So they were so interested in what he had to say. So he got up on this mountain, he started talking, it says, and he had his disciples around him, people who followed him. And then he started telling them stuff. And the first thing he says is what? Blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you. And he just goes down this list. And he says, listen, I want you to know, I came to bless your life. What makes life worth living? And Jesus says, let me tell you, blessed are you if you do this. Happy, which means happy and fulfilled. And everybody's going, I don't think Jesus has anything to fulfill my life. But when he was here, he goes, I know exactly what will do it. And then once he got done with that, then he goes through three in the, in the Bible, it's three chapters worth of teaching. So I just scan through it and I go, well, what was, what was Jesus talking about? Oh, relationships. That's not relevant. Anger, forgiveness, dealing with people who are against you, who disagree with you or who have hurt you. That's not relevant, right? That doesn't happen anywhere. Judging one another. How about our cancel culture? I wonder if Jesus has anything to help with our cancel culture today. Then he talks about marriage and divorce and adultery and lust. He's, he's, he's talking about all these things that everybody's trying to figure out. And then he talks about how we're supposed to care for those who are in need and have justice and compassion. And the world's looking for this. The Lord, the world wants to see this. And Jesus is going, let me share this with you. And then he talks about prayer. And he talks about how you can actually, so people are saying, I don't think that Christianity or the church has any connection actually to any spiritual reality. It's just a bunch of do's and don'ts. <laughs> Jesus came down. And again, who was he ticked off at? His church during the day, <laughs> because what were they all about? Rules and regulations. <laughs> so Jesus is coming. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me share with you and teach you how you can actually connect 
with the living God who has everything you need, all the wisdom, all the strength, all the grace, all the peace, all the joy. So he talks about prayer, incredibly relevant to people's spiritual needs. Then he talks about money. I know money's not a relevant topic on anybody's list. And then he talks about worry. What's the number one mental illness in our, in our country? Anxiety disorder. And so he taught, I'm like, oh my gosh, he was amazing. So if Jesus was so relevant to the world he lived in, as followers of Jesus, what can we do to help bridge this gap, this widening gap between the life that Jesus offers and the sense that he's irrelevant? So I look at at the Sermon on the Mount and I'm like, he told us. (laughs) Isn't this cool? You guys ready? I don't know. Okay. He told us. It's crazy. He bookends the Sermon on the Mount. From the very beginning, he says something, and then he says it in a different way at the end. And in the middle, he has all this teaching. Okay? How's he? What, right after all the bless, 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 bless. Okay? Look at what he says in Matthew 5.14. You, you are the light of the world. What did he say? What did he say previously? I am the light of the world, he said. And now he's looking at his followers and he's going, You now are the light of the world. You're a town built on a hill that can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to who? Everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and do what? And think God is irrelevant. No. He goes, if they see your good deeds, they're going to glorify, which, which really means people, people who don't even believe in your God are going to be praising your God. They're going to be giving glory to your God because they're going to be going, I've never seen a love like this. I've never seen forgiveness like this. I've never seen acceptance like this. I've never seen someone not judge people and hold regret. And next thing you know, they're going to see your compassion for the poor. They're going to see your care for justice and they're going to glorify your father in heaven. Just the opposite. And then in, in verse 13, he says this, not only are you, are you the light of the world, he goes, you're the salt of the earth. And then he says this, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything. What's that mean? It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. So you are the salt of the earth. But if you don't do, he goes, if you're not doing the deeds, he goes, you got to let your light shine. You got to do your deeds. If you do, you're like salt on the earth. He goes, but if you're not doing that and you lose your saltiness, it's, it's no good. You can say that you're a Christian. You can go to church. But if you don't do what I say, he says, then the world just goes, you're not salty. I don't see anything different. I don't see the impact in the world. But Jesus says, but man, if you're salty, I don't know about you, man. I like salt in my food. Anybody else? Right? It's, it's crazy to me. How I'll eat something. I love to cook. I shared that with you last week. And I'll eat something. I'm like, man, is this not, mm, I don't know. Oh, yeah. 
It just changes it. That's what you and I are supposed to be doing to the world. They want to eat, right? Taste and see that the Lord is good because that's what we're doing. So that's how he starts it off. He goes, you're the light of the world. If you do what I say, then everybody's going to see your good works. They're going to go, they're going to be drawn to God. They're not going to think he's irrelevant. They're going to want more of him. Okay. And you're the salt of the earth. And then he goes through his three chapters, hits all these topics, teach, 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 teach. Here's all the relevant things to people's lives. And then he ends it with this. Therefore, in light of everything I just taught you, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew, they beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew, and they beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. What did Jesus just say? He starts off his whole sermon and saying, you're the light and you're the salt. And people are going to see and taste that I'm good. And they're going to be drawn to me. You got to do it. And then at the end, he says, you got to put it into practice, you guys. If you will take what I teach you and actually just do what I say, the rains are going to come. COVID's going to come. Pandemics are going to come. The economy's going to crash. People are going to lose jobs. Illnesses are going to take people's lives. Mental illness is going to happen. Relationships are going to struggle. And you're going to stand. And people, every human on this planet, is going through the storms of life. They're experiencing the same difficulties. All of us are going to experience them. But Jesus is saying, if you'll do this, some people's lives crash when you don't listen to what I'm saying. But you, hey, church, you, follow me. Follow me. If you follow me, you will not walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. And when people watch you go through the exact same things, watch you struggle in your marriage, when they watch you struggle with the economy, when they watch you lose your job, when they watch you struggle with mental illness, when they watch and we're struggling and yet somehow we stand. You guys, we had, we had Jeb's funeral yesterday and what was Jenny able to say? It says she, she wrote out something for me to read to everybody. And she just wanted everyone to know. She goes, you guys need to know, Jesus is taking care of me. It's his presence with me. Come on, man. What's relevant in life? She just said, how do people do this without him? How do you find a peace that's outside of yourself that comes and comforts you that you don't muster up? Man, that's relevant. She just went through hell and she's standing because she knows Jesus. 
That's how we're the light of the world. And this is what the world needs to see. I love it. At the very end, it says, when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed. (laughs) See, that's what the surveys are not showing. The crowds right now are not amazed at the church. They're not amazed. And yet Jesus, the most relevant one, is in us. He is the light of the world. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And he is in us. So I was talking to Susie a lot today, trying to figure out, okay, how do I end this? <laughs> Threw it by rut today. I'm like, how, how do I end this? Because I would love to just tell you, here's what you go do. And you know what? I don't have a, I, I can't give you a specific thing because Jesus, he's, he has a whole list of things. He has so many beautiful things he's teaching us about. And I just want to encourage you, apparently, how you and I can help the world who's believing that he's irrelevant see that he's relevant is simply one thing. What is it? Follow him. Just follow him. Do what he says. Do what he says. He just says, man, if you lose your life for me, you're going to find it. I, I, I just know as I'm thinking about my own life, you guys, I'm just trying to follow him. If you do that, you won't be walking in darkness and then people will simply see your life. People will just see your life and hopefully they'll see the fruit of the spirit no matter what you're going through. Love or joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. That's what the spirit will produce in us when we follow him. And then people can see that and they'll see the light and they'll be drawn to Jesus. And then we engage the world with compassion. We just go because that's what we just, Jesus is in us. And obviously he just cared about the world. So we care about the world. That's why we did the food pantry this morning. And again, if you haven't done that, and I've heard some people say, it's like, well, that's just a, you know, it's just a, that's not a big deal. It's like, you know what? You know what? It's not a big deal if you don't talk to the people. If you talk to the people who come through, who are in tears, it's a big deal. It's an act of compassion that's showing people the love of Christ. And so we've got foster love and care portal where we're taking care of, the, of kids and we love them. We're heading to Eswatini. And you guys, that's just what we're doing as a church. But every one of us just being compassionate and caring. <laughs> Susie said this, and I go, this is great. She goes, you'll never be irrelevant in this world if you see people the way Jesus sees them and loves them the way he loves them you will never be irrelevant. They'll know that you're loved. So guys, here you go. Our world needs him. The word, the reason, the wisdom, the universe has come to earth in the human flesh. And he was the life and the light of all mankind, of every person. And when we put our faith in him, when we put our, the greatest thing Jesus has done for me is reconciling me back to God and put his spirit inside of me and give me a new heart and a power now to say yes to God. And if you and I will do that, we have a shot, at least in our sphere of influence, to help people see 
that Jesus is incredibly relevant to my marriage, to all of my relationships, to my anxiety, to my fears, to my future, and to theirs and to yours. All right? Let's pray together. Let's stand up and listen and pray together.